What I want to do is take a few weeks to talk about Christmas. I, I call this little series. It's the last a few weeks, time for Christmas. And, you know, typically in the uh, Advent season, which is what this is, we're in the second Sunday of Advent, the, the topics that are generally discussed, which are great topics, are love, joy, peace, and hope. And um, I normally would do that for us, but we just finished a series, and in the last month, those topics were all in there. So we could certainly have spent more time on them, but I thought we would take some time to sort of dig into the Christmas story, and in particular, some of the characters involved, and maybe pull out some things that we might have missed in the course of um, looking at the Christmas story over time. And really, in the Scripture, a very small amount of Scripture is related to this story, as important as it is. Uh, You have Luke chapter 2 and Matthew chapter 2 and a little bit of Luke 1 and a little bit of Matthew 2 and that's how we get the Christmas story. But um, over time we've all been exposed to the Christmas story and people have added to it and taken away from it and we might not have a really good picture of everything that's going on. So we're going to, over the next few weeks, try and sort of develop that together and, and I think that'll be a very important thing for us. That's the intro. Transition. Bad jokes here in transition. These are really bad too. Thank you very much in advance. Why don't anteaters get sick? Because they're full of antibodies. Thank you. I know. Hey, well, come on. I I read about a guy who's making a lot of money by selling photos of salmon dressed up in human clothes. It's like shooting fish in apparel. (laughs) Wait, wait, breaking story. Vandals have broken into the National Origami Museum in Tokyo. I will keep you updated as the story unfolds. (laughs) Scripture reading. Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 8. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone round them. And they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly... A great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that's happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told him about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondered them in her heart, and the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Blessed be the word of the Lord. So, I think at Christmas, some things happen. One of the things that sometimes happens, I believe, is that it's so busy that we miss some of the amazing things that are happening. It, it just becomes sort of this big list that we're, we're just trying to check everything off of, and, and sometimes it becomes something we're trying to get done 
rather than really taking time to reflect on what it's all about and, and why it's so important and why it matters. And so I, I just think it's t- important that we take some time to pause and, and think about the depth of what's really taking place when, when Jesus came, when God sent his son to us and all that that means. Um, it's gotten so kind of crazy that a lot of people don't even like Christmas. And I get that. And a lot of people have been disappointed in their lives over Christmas and it adds to the other thing. But, you know, I would say if we really are thinking about the um, reason for Christmas, that, that there's something so amazing and wonderful in the message of Christmas that it should lighten our hearts at some level. And I also think this, that the enemy, we talk about him a lot. You know, I tell you that he tries to steal your life away. I think he gets extra busy at this time of year because he hates it when people have hope and joy and celebrate Jesus and the birth of Jesus and what it meant. And so there's a lot of things that are taking place. So I, I think it's just really important that we, we slow down and start thinking about how amazing all this is and, and what it means to us in our lives. And not only in the spiritual context that we certainly should take and reflect on the scriptures, but also in our relationships. Let's take some time over this season to really stop and to have an extra cup of coffee with somebody, to to spend time with our families and our friends, to make a phone call. But let's really make it matter and not just push through it and make it be something that we're we're trying to get through. I think when we, we sort of get that angle on it, it never lives up to our expectations and we're disappointed and we miss what matters. But, but you know, for me, I got to tell you, I, know not, I love this time of year. I, Alice and I both, we enjoy Christmas. And I, I think part of the reason is, and it's not about getting things, and that's just not even the issue for me at all. It's because of what happened. You know, I grew up as an unbeliever, and we sort of, we celebrated Christmas, but, but as a believer, taking time to to just think about what Jesus has done in me and for me and our family and this place and all the things that he's done and continues to do and how it all starts, you know, there and in this beginning of the story. You know, we're always sort of living somewhere between Christmas and Easter and, and how amazing it is. It's the start of this story for us and what he did. And so I, I like to think about it. And so I, I'm, I, So don't judge me for this, but we sort of stretch it out a little bit. So I don't know when you sort of start Christmas, but we probably start earlier than you. And because uh, I like it. So, and, and not all crazy all in, but, you know, I, we'll put a tree up with just lights on it fairly early in the season, and then we just don't invite anybody over. And then, um, <laughs> so you don't have to judge me, but now you know. And then over time, Alice will decorate the tree so that right around Thanksgiving, it's in full bloom. And uh, so what if we start when other people are celebrating something in fall. We don't care. So, but, but I, I, it's because I, I like the whole thing. I like what happens with folks, some folks. And I, I like that we get to talk about Jesus. And I like that sort of everywhere you look, you know, there's a reference to Jesus and what it means. And even if people aren't getting it, I know that it's there. And it means so much to me and to us. So we, we take our time to, to make sure that we're enjoying it and to slow down. Because we've been caught in that trap lots of times. And uh, we don't want to get stuck there and miss what matters. So we're going to sort of take some time in that vein then to go through some of these stories and really look at what's going on. And maybe there's some things in the scripture that we've missed that might make the, the amazing event even more amazing for us. So I want to start by talking about the shepherds today. And 
when we talk about the shepherds, we sort of have to quickly sort of define what the shepherds were like in the first century and what we know about them. Because previous to this time in the Old Testament, the, the shepherds were actually fairly revered because we had some great heroes of the faith that were shepherds. We have Moses and we have David and we have, you know, some of those things in that line. But by the first century, and there's archaeological discoveries that back this up, the shepherds by and large were sort of outcast from society. Um, several reasons. You know, probably the big one was they, they were very nomadic and they sort of drifted in and out of towns and they had developed a reputation of taking things without paying for them. That's not a good reputation. Um, the, because of their constant contact with the animals, they were unclean and they couldn't get to the temple to make sacrifice. So be, these things sort of added up and made them distant, sort of separated from the established religious community. And so that community looked down on them and they were outcast, and there they lived sort of on the edge and on the periphery, but they weren't included in the story. And so that's sort of what's going on with the shepherds when we meet them in this process. And so it's pretty significant then when the angel of the Lord appears to them in what's going on. Now, before we get to Luke 2.8, Luke starts, and he's talking about the events of that time. And uh, he tells us that there's a census going on. And your translation either might say census or it might talk about taxation. Both were sort of tied together. If we were to take a census of a... They were taking a census today in the Keys, it would be pretty much to find out, you know, who lives here, what the population is. But the Romans had some other ideas and they used the census to really accomplish two things. Um, in that point in history, there was a lot of insurrection against the Romans. So by making everybody go to their hometowns, they could break up some of these bands of militia that had gathered and make them, they forced them to go back to their hometowns. That broke some of that up. And then while they were there, they, they taxed them heavily. And it was a great sort of way for them to raise money for their economies. And so they would do these things fairly often. But it's included in the story. Luke is great at the way he writes this. Um, because, see, the world at the time thought Rome was in charge. But God's always in charge. And, and what needed to happen was Jesus needed to be born in Bethlehem because the prophecies had been foretold. And so God just uses the events of the world to make those things take place just the way they're supposed to. And so Joseph and Mary need to be in Bethlehem because that's where Jesus is going to be born. And sure enough, that's where they head. And so that's what's taking place. And all of a sudden then Luke shifts the story to these uh, shepherds. And we pick it up there in verse 8. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. So here these shepherds are kind of hanging out. I sort of, in my mind, have this picture of them kind of sitting around a campfire. Um, they're not welcome in town, so they're not going there. And they're just kind of hanging out with one another, and that's sort of their life, and that's what they do. And, and they're outcast from everybody else. And so what happens next is really amazing, because Luke says in verse 9, an angel of the Lord appeared to them. Now, they weren't expecting a visitation from the angel of the Lord by any stretch of the imagination because nobody ever, you know, dealt with them at all. They were sort of out of reach of everybody. And, and then, verse, the next part, it says, the glory of the Lord shone round them. This is amazing. The glory of the Lord. Um, it's something they could see and feel and, and were aware of. The glory of the Lord was something that happened at the temple in the holiest of holy places. And here it is. They're out in a field and nobody likes them and they're outcast. And the glory of the Lord shows up. And they're all around them. And it just rocks their world because the next thing that we find out is that they were terrified. 
because they have no idea. They don't, they don't even think God knows who they are, that God cares about them in any way. And all of a sudden, the presence of God is there. And so with that sort of mindset, they're thinking, well, he's probably here to judge us. I bet we're done for. And the angel of the Lord says, and this is what angels always say when they show up, do not be afraid. I love that. And then perhaps one of the greatest lines, I bring you good news. Now, to these people that have been outcast by the established religious community, they probably don't think that there's a lot of great news to be had in God at all because they've been told that God doesn't care about them and that they're unacceptable. And yet the angel of the Lord shows up and says, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Great joy that will be for all the people. They they mean us too? Really, we're not even included in that group. Really, this is news for all of us? And and it's almost too good to be true. In verse 11, here it comes. It says, Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you, and He is Christ the Lord. So so if if you take that into context of these shepherds, outcast, the angel of the Lord says, A Savior has been born to you. And I just, if you can try and imagine what that would feel like to me, really? I, they almost can't take it. Like, you sure you got this right, God? The birth announcement of the king probably should have gone somewhere else. And, and yet God is saying, no, it's exactly right. And I, I think I relate to that because, I, you know, I didn't grow up as a believer. So I remember sort of feeling that way. And when he made himself known to me, it was such a powerful thing that he cared about me and that he loved me. And that's what he's letting these outcast people know. And in that scripture, the only place it happens in the New Testament are these titles of Jesus, Savior, Christ, and Lord, all appearing together. It's such a powerful scripture. It's it's his humanity and it's his divinity and and he's the Savior and he's the Lord and he's God, he's all of it. And it's all happening in that verse. Then verse 12, this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. So whenever I read that now, there's a comedian out there, and it's, he's, here's your sign. I don't know if you've ever heard him. Now, you can probably go Google it and find out. It's just funny. And now every time I read that, I go, and here's your sign. And, the, but this, and they're like, a sign? Really? A sign? And, and that's the amazing sign. You'll find a baby wrapped in cloths lying in a manger. Now, here's where I think we often speed through Scripture instead of kind of pausing to wonder what's going on in the story. And maybe we've missed some things over time. But, it, it, and I'm not going to ask you to do this, but if you were to close your eyes and sort of in your mind's eye get an idea of what you think of when you hear manger, I would say that, that it's as sanitized as you can make it. That, that it's really actually a pretty nice little thing and that, you know, Joseph and Mary have made this pretty comfortable and it's kind of, oh, that looks pleasant. And, you know, uh, Joseph, he's a carpenter, probably had some time to do a little stuff there while he's waiting on the baby. And it's not a bad thing. That's what we think of when we think of manger. But... The reality is manger, that, that word, is, is uh, about a feeding trough. It's a feeding trough. And so I, I have a picture of a first century feeding trough that I want you to, to see if it'll pop up for us. And uh, there it comes. All right. So now, so it's a stone trough. Um, animals eat out of it. Cows eat out of it. So think of it as, you know, probably sort of covered in cow slobber. It's just trying to paint the picture properly for you because you can see a cow tongue and you, right? You don't... They sell those things in stores. Sorry, that's not okay. All right, now, sorry if that's good for you. I apologize, but 
But I digress. So, this is important, what happens. With that in mind, and now think about who's just been born, right? This is Jesus, fully God, fully man, King of kings, Lord of lords, enters into the world. Now, he's in Bethlehem, and Bethlehem, uh, that means house of bread. And we know from the scripture that Jesus is the very bread of life, the bread of heaven. And what you need to see is from the moment he's born, his mother takes him and puts him, the bread of life, into a feeding trough for all the world to feast on at that moment in time. It's a huge picture of the glory of God and what's taking place. And sometimes we just skip over it. And yet, Jesus, you know, we we celebrate communion, all those things about this is my body which is for you, right happens, right at the birth, first thing. Boom, right into the feeding trough. It's also a picture, uh, when, when you look at that, that, that feeding trough, that manger carved out of stone, it's, it's, it, it's sort of, we would remind you of a tomb. And wrapped, think about how he's wrapped. He's wrapped in these cloths to keep him safe from this whole process. And, and when the shepherds will eventually come and see him, that's got to be quite an amazing picture, but that's also a picture of what's going to happen some 30-odd years later when Jesus indeed, having gone to the cross on our behalf, will die for us, and they'll wrap him once again in cloths, and they'll put him in a tomb. But it can't hold him, and he breaks forth on Easter, and that's what we celebrate, how we have life. See, all that thing's happening. Can you imagine? That's what's taking place right in the beginning of the story, and it's something that they can see when they walk in. And so that's what they're going to do. They're going to go and see. The angel goes away, and the shepherds say, what do we do now? Uh, and uh, they, well, we should go to Bethlehem, and, and that's what we're going to do. We need to go see the thing that's happened that the Lord has made known to us. You see, they, they realize that, that the Lord has made um, something known to them. He's revealed something to them, and listen, when you're reading Scripture, when, you, when you're into the Word of the Lord uh, and He reveals something to you, every time it will take you to Jesus. Every time. And it starts there. Verse 16. So they hurried off and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger just as God had said. Here's so cool. The, the, it's such an amazing idea. These shepherds on the edge of society, shunned by everybody, more or less. Um, they're, they're the ones that God leads to Jesus. They, and then he begins to use them in such a powerful way. Nobody else would have anything to do with him. God shows up, tells him what to do. They respond to the word of the Lord. They get to see Jesus. They get this image of what's taking place and what it all means. They encourage Mary and Joseph. God uses shepherds nobody else would deal with. The outcast to encourage Mary and Joseph on the journey. And then it says that when they get out, they start telling everybody else what's going on. Verse 17, when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And people are listening. Before, they wouldn't have anything to do with them. But the people are listening. All who uh, heard it, it says in verse 18, were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. They were taking it in. God had redeemed them as he appears to them and leads them to Jesus, which is how we're redeemed in our own lives. See, there, it's such an amazing picture. Verse 20, the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had seen and heard, which, they, uh, which were just as they had been told. Another important thing that Luke adds for us there, just as they'd been told. See, it's another way that you know that you can trust in the promises, that these, these books that he's given us, the 66 books that make up this bigger book, when, when the, the promises are in here, they're just as they've been told us. God is true to his word, and he does what he says that he's going to do. And if God has told you something through his word, it's going to happen. 
And, and you can live knowing that that's going to take place in the process. Now, here's sort of what I want to end with. As, as you sort of take that story in and the things I want you to think about. First, the, the story that we have is good news. Let's make sure that we understand that this is good news of great joy for all the people. And, and, and if you're um, not a believer in Christ yet, the good news is this, that Jesus came for you, fully God, fully man, and he entered the scene. And then he lives this perfect, sinless life for you over the course of his life. And then he willingly goes to the cross on your behalf. He pays for all of our sin because we couldn't live that life. And there on the cross, he pays for it by exchanging his life for ours. And he dies and he's buried. But then he defeats death and he rises again. That's the core of the good news. And when we come and we believe in our hearts and confess with our mouths that Jesus is Lord, we're the recipients of that good news. And so that's an amazing story and picture. And that's what's supposed to be our message. That's our good news, just like the shepherds. Sometimes we, we get ahead of some things and we start adding things to that good news, which make it bad news and people don't want to hear it. Because we start telling them about just like that. Oh, you're sort of this, and you're sort of that, and you're sort of this, and you're sort of that. But, but see, that's news. Is, the good news is, but God has made a way for you to be reconciled to him. And then we know that then the Holy Spirit comes, and he dwells in us. And he's the one that brings about these changes in our lives. So this story, this, this whole thing that we have is good news, and it should always feel like good news to the people that hear it. And if it's not, we're not telling the story properly. Because in the story, do you get a, maybe a different picture of the heart of God towards people because of who he chooses to appear to? It was the shepherds. Nobody else cared about. Outcast, shunned. And yet God loves them so much that he visits them to make a way for them to be restored and reconciled and renewed and to, to come and know life and what life is really all about. And so, you know, my, oops, my prayer is, that was my timer. I'm pretty close. This is my prayer, that, that you would take that in this week. Think about that story. Think about how amazing it is that Jesus came, the, the very bread of life, and immediately was placed into a feeding trough for the world. Think about what that means to us. Think about that, how that relates to you and why that matters. And, and above all, just take some time, slow down, reflect on the season. Don't let Christmas just get rushed through that you miss it, all that it means, so that you can enjoy just the, the amazing grace of God to all of us at this season. We'll stop it there. I got a great story next week about the wise men and Herod. So get ready for that. But that's